excess. Thank you for audience with God. We know that it's not a light thing that we have access. So we praise you for the lamb. We praise you for the veil rent his body. We thank you, Father, for the new and living thing that you're doing on the inside of us. Now today, Lord, as we come to our time of impartation, we ask that you'll be magnified in all that is communicated. Oh God, speak into this room that which prepares us for this next season of effective ministry. Oh God, let your grace, let your glory abound in the lives of your people, let your fullness be manifest in each one of us. Thank you for this leadership team. Lord God, thank you for those who have labored, those who have labored, those who have been in the trenches, those who made sacrifices for the service of the saints. The Lord be magnified today in all that is important. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord thanks on the way to see you with peace. Philippians in your Bibles, if you would. So good to see you all this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Oh, glory. of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross amen um, I want to jump right into this because we got a, a lot to cover today but I, I, I know uh, if you were here the first time I did partner service partner services training raise your hand all right, I figured as much. No, it was right. That's the right response. So it was only a couple people 
That's how long it's been since I've done this. I did it way back at the beginning. Amen. When we were all humble. <laughs> so I, I felt led to revisit this subject matter. Um, the scripture we read, very familiar scripture, you know, God was made manifest in the flesh. No, God, God, God was made manifest in the flesh. Creator, God. You know, heavens and earth, all things God. And in the body, the Bible said he took on the form of a servant. Isn't that right? He humbled himself. Somebody shout, I humble myself. Right? We've talked about this before, that the posture of humility is always what? Somebody shout, if I'm humble, I'm serving. In, in other words, if true humility is revealed in my finding needs to me, serving, come on somebody, true humility is, is found, in, it's not found in my attendance, it's found in my attendance, as I attend to the needs of people, then I'm demonstrating humility through servitude, isn't that right? Uh, if I'm meeting no needs, I'm not humble. But it's, humility is always revealed in the person that's in a position of leadership. Okay, it doesn't get any higher than God in the body. Okay. Hello, somebody. Look at somebody tell him he was all that. But didn't act like it. We ain't all that and always acting like it. So he took on the form of a servant. Because servitude is the posture of humility. So what we're doing today is we are revisiting some training that I did in the early 2000s. Amen. I only remember because I was fat and nobody told me. I had no friends. My hair was fat. I remember I looked at the video. I was like, man, aging in reverse. But um, it's been a long time. So we're going to jump into this. Let's jump into this. So we'll talk about what we're doing today. All right. All right. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. And it's a picture of what's supposed to happen inside of the leadership dynamic. Somebody shout, we're working on the same thing. And that is the edification of the body of Christ, exhortation, comfort. Deliverance, development, furtherance of God's people. St. Corinthians 12, 18 said, When I urged Titus to visit you and sent our brother with him, did Titus take the advantage of you? No. For we all, for watch this now, for we have the same spirit. Say we have the same spirit. Have the same spirit. And walk in each other's steps. Come on, somebody. Doing things the same way. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? So I want you to notice, right, and Paul is talking about how not only himself, but the people that he sent in his stead operated. Like he said, we were all walking in the same steps. We were all doing things the same way. Why? As not to send confusion among the members of the church, the leaders of the church had to make sure they were doing the same thing for the same reason, the same way. 
Hello, somebody. Same thing for the same reason, the same way. Everything about their engagement with the body was very intentional. Somebody shout intentional. All right? Because they knew what they were doing. Remember we said that nobody has ever glorified God accidentally. Come on, somebody. Everybody who ever glorified God, look at somebody tell them they knew what they were doing. Y'all got that? Matter of fact, Satan works in unintentional behavior. Come on, somebody. You know, it's like I tell people, I was talking to, matter of fact, I was talking to somebody a couple the other day. And as I was going through their histories, trying to help them to create a marriage that lasts a lifetime uh, out of, you know, coming from marriages that didn't. I said, I said, listen, I said, divorce is in you. Well, I ain't never been divorced. Well, but it's in you. Well, it's in your soul because that's what you subjected to. You were raised by a paradigm. You were raised by in a broken and dysfunctional paradigm. So all you have to do is create the patterns that you don't desire is get up and live. You, you don't have to do literally. You, literally, you, all you got to do, if, if you want to create the same broken homes and families that you came from, all you got to do is get up and live. But if you're going to have what God intended, somebody said, I got to be intentional. Wherever there is intent, there has to be intentionality. God's intent cannot be made manifest in our lives without intentionality. You understand that? And it's not about being better than other people. It's about doing differently on purpose because we're breaking a pattern through wisdom and understanding. Does that make sense? So, you know, you know, the worst day of a person's life is when you resemble what you resented. Oh, come on, somebody. It's like those that say, I never parent like my mama did till that day. Hello, somebody. I never treat my mom, my husband the way I see my, my mama treat my daddy. Hmm. And then one day they resemble what they resented. And that's the worst day of their life. Because all of a sudden they realized it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. All of a sudden they realized that everything you were raised by still lives in you. Oh, come on, somebody. Everything you were raised by still lives in you, in your soul, as the apostle said, waiting to, re waiting to reveal itself again. So in order, to, in order to have different, to be different, and to do different, you got to be very intentional. So, listen, my child, you got to know what you're doing. Amen. And you got to lean, you got to lean into the discomfort of doing things in a functional. Y'all know when you've been dysfunctional a long time, functional seems strange. Oh my God. Y'all heard what the pastor said? It hurts too. Isn't it amazing that there's a pain attached to proper function, but it but it's a much better pain than dysfunction. So it's very awkward when you're leaning into change because it don't feel right because it's not in alignment with the pattern that wants to corrupt your existence. Y'all got that? Turn it. All right. So they operate in the same way. So what are we doing here in our in this thing, Manifestations Worldwide? So as you guys know, one of the things that have made this church strong is the culture of this church. All right? We talk a lot about vision, but the reality of it is... What makes a people strong is their culture, the culture that is being developed around them, through them, and within them. That culture is consists of the sharing of their values, the sharing of their knowledge, their ideas, 
their traditions, their ritual, their skills, their artistic expressions, the sharing of fellowship, and the sharing of an outgoing assignment. So if you look at that, you can see all of those at work in how we have been, you know, you, you, we don't come together on Sunday just to do a service and go home. Now, that's the norm. I need y'all to know that in churchianity, that's the norm. But that's not our norm. And that's the reason that we have, by God's grace, been able to develop this far, thus a, a strong culture. Y'all got that? A strong. Now, culture is culture. And culture is a powerful thing because it's what galvanizes the people to one another, connects people on a deeper level. Somebody shout, we're relational. So this is what we got to make sure is that we never, we never become, it never becomes about function and outcome as much as it is about relation and input. Oh, come on, somebody. What do you mean by, what do you think I mean it never becomes about function and outcome, but it's about relation and input? What do you think I mean by that? More about being, thank you, Father. It's more about being personal than it is about using people's gifts for your purposes. See that? We never want to become utilitarian. Well, we're more concerned about what you didn't do than how you're doing. Oh, come on, somebody. You know, a lot of times when you see a person, for example, and they're being a, a relatively consistent person as being inconsistent. The best question is not where were you, it's how are you? Oh, y'all didn't hear what I just said. I want you to ask your neighbor, when's the last time you asked somebody, how are you? Come on, I said, when's the last time you asked somebody, how are you? Now, if you gotta go further than this week, you are uncaring. Y'all are not. I'm gonna say that again. If you have, today is Saturday, right? If you look back from Monday to the day and you have asked no one, how are you? You are an uncaring person. I just want to even want to tell you in a loving environment. But the way you know that you care about people is that question. You understand that? More, but now, most people are only thinking about what people do that aids their well-being, their lives, their agenda, their department. That's all they think about. You understand that? And that's called, and we're going to talk about that, that's called an attitude of indifference. Does that make sense? So I'm gonna say, and it should not be mechanical. Now you may have to start out mechanical. You may have to practice asking somebody, how are you? But you'll find that once you realize the value that it adds to the lives of people around you, when they realize, you know what people realize? You see me. You realize how many people around you feel unseen, unfelt, uncared for, unloved. But the moment you ask, how are you? You know what their soul says? Somebody sees me. Say it with me. How are you? How are you? Tell your neighbor, practice that. How are not where were you? We'll get to that. Matter of fact, if you ask them how are you, they'll tell you where they were. 
I, I, listen, that's the reason I've been, oh, so now we got to where were you by going through the door, which is how long. Y'all understand that? Look somebody tell them, don't use people, love people. Now let me share something with you. There's a, look your neighbor and tell them, there's a big difference between I love you and I need you. Don't ever mistake the two. There's a big difference between I love you and I need you. Because I love you when you are incapable of providing anything for me. Oh, come on, somebody. I love you. I love you when I don't like what you are doing. I love you when you're broken. Listen to my child. I love you when you're broken. I love you when you're functional. There's a difference between I love you and I need you. And the worst thing in the world is when you have a person that feels needed by everybody and loved by nobody. You know what that's called? I'm busy, but I'm broken. Why? Because everybody's using me, but nobody sees me. So we want to make sure. Look at my tongue. Keep it relational. Y'all understand that? Then bring me to another point. All right, you're going to have a hard time correcting somebody you don't have a relationship with. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that what you say isn't right. I'm saying they don't care. Why? Because you haven't even gotten to know me as a person. And you're coming in with rules. And I know you're right. But you're not relational. Come on. You know, I'm, I'm reading a book, finishing a book right now, I got one chapter left called The Genius of Jesus. And it talked about, it was so good, because the, the last chapter I just read was talking about doing the good. You either gonna do do you want to do the good or be right? That was the last chapter, right? And what it was highlighting, remember when the, the, the man that was all sick of palsy came into the, the, the uh, uh, synagogue on a Sabbath day. And they were looking at Jesus like, now is this Negro, well he wasn't a Negro. Is this, is this Hebrew gonna, gonna heal this man? They knew he was a healer. They, oh, they knew that he was predictable. That everybody came around him and got well. So the religious people, right? Somebody shout the right people. Somebody shout the rules people. The rules people looked at Jesus and said, now is this Hebrew? Is he going to think about doing the work of healing on the Sabbath? That's wrong. We know the right way. You understand that? And Jesus knew what they were thinking. So Jesus said, uh, if, if one of you had one of your beasts to fall into a pit, would you get it out on the Sabbath day? Now he knew the answer to that. You know why? Because I guarantee you, everybody in that building had a had a had a cattle in the ditch one day. They had, he already knew. God made sure everybody in there's cattle ended up in the ditch one day on a Saturday and then they got it out. So what did he do? They didn't say a word because they knew that they had been ditch digging on a Saturday. So he said, would it be wrong? Would, would, it be, would, it, would it be a good thing, he said, to get your animal out of a ditch on a Sabbath day? And he said nothing. That was guilt. Y'all got that? So he told the man, 
be made whole. And the man was made whole. And they got mad. You know why they got mad? Because they knew Jesus didn't do technically what they thought was right. He did what was good. Oh, God. And it's good to heal somebody that's broken. Why? Because the Sabbath was not, well, it's not, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Y'all got that? But that's what it's about. It's about doing good. It's more important to do good than it is to be right. That's why some people can't stay married. Because they want to be right instead of being one. Oh, hello, somebody. Y'all got that? So now watch this now. So we want to make sure that we remain relational, all right? You're not just a leader in the church. You're a co-laborer in a building process. That makes sense? Paul said that, that you are God's building. We are co-laborers with Christ. So we got to be, we got to have a mindset that we are part, we are co-laborers in a building process. Say that with me. We are co-laborers in a building process. Now look, look to people asking, what's your skill? What's, what's your skill in this Right? Look around us and we don't all have the same skill. Y'all got that? The plumbers, not the electricians, not the mason, not the painter. Everybody's got their own skill. But what matters is that we are all building the same thing. For Second Corinthians 12, 18, that we are all building the same thing in the lives of people. We are all building in the same direction. We have the same uh, uh, agenda and that is building lives. Y'all got that? Number next, your attitude must be agreeable with what we are building towards. Anybody ever work with somebody with a bad attitude? I don't even want this check. I don't even want this check. You know when you think like, I'm, I'm thinking about quitting. Anytime you say, I don't even want the check. Look at my tell it's bad, man. Look somebody tell me, don't be that person. Don't be the person that makes people hate coming to church. Now, I'm going to train you something I taught leaders way back in the beginning. Look somebody tell me, be glad to see people. Every time you see people. Every time you see people, be glad to see people. You understand that? Your annoyances with people says more about you than it says about them. Uh, Hello, somebody. Anybody ever prayed, Lord, I know you're tired of me, but you ever prayed that? No, you haven't, right? Because it's something you know about him. Oh, God. Look, somebody tell me, I'm going to need you to be that way. You understand that? All right. Because he remains constant. And his constant, watch it now. His constancy produces our security. Isn't that right? Oh, come on, somebody. You grew up in a home with a stable father. You are more than likely a more secure person. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Exactly. No, only you are very much more secure in who you are as a person when you grew up with a stable father, biologically or spiritually. I mean, we have gotten more stable since you joined this church. Exactly, because you grew up with a consistent father. Yeah. <laughs> See that? Now, tell somebody, go be that. You've got, you can't be sometiming with sheep. People come into this place in all kind of states, in all kind of conditions, in all kind of scenarios. 
And the last thing they need is volunteer volatility from anointed people. Y'all got that? If you're going to be anointed, you should at least be nice too. Come on, tell somebody, be consistent. Come on, tell somebody else, be consistent. Now, think about, the think, again, home. Think about consistency, the value of consistency in a home environment and what it does to children automatically. Now, why does that matter? Because we are the parents and the sheep are the kids. All right, let's talk about fivefold ministry offices. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You know what that is? Parental. It's literally parental. And that's why you can't fake it, the calling to these offices. Because when you're called to one of these offices, you have had any, how many of y'all love your children? But now, how many of you realize you don't love other people's kids the way you love your kids? All right, I'll be honest. I, I'm not like my kids, I don't. Right? I love you, but not like my kids. Y'all got that? But now that's the same way. When you are a parent, you have certain instinct, uh, innate uh, uh, concern, care, love. Everything you do, you frame your whole life around making sure they were, they were well and come up good and so on and so forth, right? That's what it means to be in a five-fold ministry office. I know I'm supposed to be a pastor. Well, are you parental? You cannot be pastoral and not be parental. Oh, help us somebody. There is no I'm tired of this church. Look at somebody tell me you cannot be pastoral and not be parental. The care goes beyond the service. That care finds its way into your prayers, your earnest intercessions. That care finds you taking calls. Oh, God. I was telling somebody the other day, I'm off Thursday. Three men called me in crisis before I could even get three men in crisis. Three men in crisis. And you call it an off day? How many emergencies have you handled on your off day? Y'all understand that? But, it's, but, but, but the, the concerns are not surface concerns. They are innate concerns. Y'all understand that? So that's why no person should ever be in a process to go toward an office you really don't have that level of care for people about. Don't do it. Does that make sense? All right. You must love people as defined by the offering of yourself. See, love is the offering of yourself. It is the good. You know, I, I know I've been teaching about this on Wednesday night. The judgment of the believers is about the good that you have rendered to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, others after you have been saved. That's what our judgment is all about. What did you give? Were you a giver in life or were you a taker? You see that? So this is what we must do. We must love people as defined by the offering of ourselves. So the objective of our training today it, it is pretty simple. Our objective in this season is to create a kinder, gentler church culture that is ingratiating and accommodating to the health, wealth, and wholeness of all of our partners. Y'all got that? This church has been amazing. It is amazing. It's wonderful. Y'all got that? 
But I want to make sure that all the way through the leadership team, we are nicer. Y'all got that? So that's why we're revisiting this. Now, I talked a moment ago about indifference, which essentially is just being uncaring. All right? Uncaring. Indifference, the number one reason that people fail to return to a place of establishment is because of an attitude of indifference on the part of someone who is in a service position but fails to behave as a servant. Anybody ever went to a restaurant and you asked the server to bring you something else? That, <laughs> Y'all ain't never had a servant, uh, a server get like a little huffy with you because you asked for something? Y'all never had that? Now, you know what's going on in your head, right? You are in a service position. You should have applied for management or something. If you apply for dishwasher. I mean, you should have applied to be behind the scenes. We don't have to be bothered with people, but you out front serving. So there's nothing I can act as long as I'm in this building, spending my money and tipping you, there's nothing I should ask you for that you should not be willing to run it and run and run it in. And every time you come by, I'm gonna run you to get something else. <laughs> That's what you, that's what you applied for. You, you didn't have to, you could have asked to be the dishwasher. You could have asked to be the prep cook. Come on somebody, you applied for a service position. Look somebody tell me, you didn't have to be a leader. You applied for it. But now, now that you are, you must understand that what leadership and servitude are synonymous. Y'all heard me say this over and over again. Leadership is not about who you're over. It's about what? Who you're responsible for. Who you serve. Y'all got that? Now, this is true whether you're talking about the industry. I came out of the restaurant industry, okay? Whether No matter where you get care, no matter where you go for care and some kind of service to your well-being. Y'all got that? Uh, uh, you go to the hospital and the nurse is rude and, and funky. Y'all ever had that happen? Yeah. Right? Uh, you push the button that says nurse, come. And they get mad that they had to come. The picture on the remote show you. I'm supposed, I push this and you're supposed to come. And you mad that I, then why you put it on the button? Uh, now, I don't even want to go to the hospital no more. <laughs> because of one nurse. <laughs> I'm gonna stay home and talk this one out. <laughs> the number one reason that people fail to return to a place of establishment is an attitude of indifference on the part of someone in a service position who does not possess a servant attitude. And that's not just church. That's everywhere. Does that make sense? So if you're in leadership, you are by definition a servant of all. He that would be greatest must be what? Now, you know what's easy? You know what's real easy? A lot of people come to this church. You come to church, sit in the church, and do nothing other than come to church and sit in the church. We have a lot of people that do that. You could have been one of them. 
Still can be. <laughs> Hello. But if you're in this room and you're in this process, then this standard is for you. Y'all understand that? Because you said that God has put you in a, a, a position of leadership. Y'all got that? Make sure your posture matches this position. Does that make sense to you all? Now, another thing that a leader cannot do that she can do that anybody else can do, right? Leaders can't, this is what leaders can't afford to do. You come in church, right? This ain't a leader. You come into church and it's, what's that called? Tunnel vision. Uh, I don't do all of them. I just I just find them. She nice, right? That ain't a leader. That's not what leadership looks like. You can't have your picks and your favorites on who you do and who you don't do. You make a beeline to just the people you you have trained. You make a beeline to the people you train to be nice to you. And don't deal graciously, kindly, or intentionally when anyone else looks at my child. That is not leadership. That's not leadership. Hey, hey, I, hey, I, what was your name again? See, that's you should be asking that. What, what was your name again? Because I see you every week. I'm going to say, hey, you. What was your name again? That's what leaders do. Y'all understand that? Leaders build bridges. They don't make divides. They don't create divisions. They build bridges. You understand that? But girl, I, I ain't going to ask them both to work with me because they don't get along. You should have been the main one getting both of them to work with you because you could be the bridge between them. You should have been the main one getting them to work on your team. Why? Because I could be the bridge that brings them together. I could be the peacemaker. Blessed by the peacemakers because what are they? Oh, that's how you know you're godly is that you bring divided people together. That's how you know you can to God, is that you bring people together. Not, no, girl, I ain't going to call her because cause my, my assistant don't like her. You're the problem. You are the problem because you don't understand what it means to be the leader. Somebody shout, I'm the bridge maker. Not fostering the divide. Come on, not fostering the divide. Bridging the gap. That's what it looks like to be a leader. Y'all understand that? All right. So let's move on here. So we're moving away. Somebody shout, we're moving away from indifference. Now here's what we're moving to. You know what the opposite of indifference is? Care. Ask somebody, do you care? See that? You see somebody every week, every single week, and you notice they're consistently here, trying to figure out where they fit into this. You should be the one. To know them by name. Yeah. You should be the one. Hey, Joyce. And they, you know what happens when people walk into a place and their name is called? <laughs> what happened to you the first time your name was called here? Come on, think about it. Huh? What did you say, Delsha? You told the altar? Why? What was going on? Do you remember? She said, I felt unseen. Do you hear that? Go ahead. And so, 
Like, we don't have three. Yeah, y'all got that? But now look how she's blossomed. Look how she's just flowered. I'm looking for a husband right now. Right? Look how she's just me and Roger. Look how, well now, think about this, right? So many of us now, you know the Delsha now that's all just helpful and just, just she's an amazing human being, right? Encouraging, so on and so forth, right? But did you know the person that came in here that felt unseen? That one person knew her name. And the one person who could have the excuse of not knowing anyone's name and not be blamed for it. I'm the one person who gets a pass because I'm not expected to know anybody's name. Because it's too many people to know their name. So I'm not, y'all come on. Y'all know people would give me a pass. I'm not expecting to know people's name. You understand that? Right? But now you see, this is the, now she's in our leadership. But you see, this is what I'm talking about. She told you the state she was in, broken. And that one calling her by name out of the crowd shifted something. See how serious this is? Now, huh? Now she wants the help. Y'all got that? So, so I, I know that when we are doing what we do, we do this 52 weeks out of the year, we do it for 10 years straight, so on and so forth. It can seem a little bit monotonous. Y'all got that? Uh, now let me share something else with you too, right? It's your job to keep growing you. Yeah. Now, look somebody and tell me, it's not our job to resolve your boredom. You bored because you ain't growing. You bored, hello. Boredom means you ain't got no vision for growth. Did I just tell y'all the book I'm reading? No, I'm reading it because the oldest member of my men's group was reading it. I'm like, he 82, he reading it, I'm reading it too. Simple as that. So I'm figuring if you're still growing at 82, you still learning at 82, you still rich at 82, right. <laughs> I'm reading that. Somebody shout, I'm responsible for my growth. Somebody shout, I should constantly advance. So 10 years of doing something, or 20, it should not be, it's, it's only, anything's boring because you don't have a vision for growth. You don't have a vision for quality of life. Because if you have a vision for quality of life, somebody shout, I'm working on that. I'm developing myself. I'm thinking about my next move. I'm planning. I'm strategizing. I don't even have time to be bored. I'm trying to find some time to be bored. I don't even have time to be bored because my schedule won't permit it. True story. I'm, I'm sitting here, and on my way here, I'm thinking about all the stuff I got to get done on my off day. <laughs> so I'm in green. I've already got five things I got to get done on my off day. Does that make sense? Lord. But there's somebody shout, there's no room for boredom. No room for it. So why am I saying that? When you start getting bored, with something, you start operating dismissively of it. Oh, come on. You're there, but not there. See? And that's how many of you now come to church, here but not here. Because, hello, you don't know anybody new. You're not meeting any new needs. You've grown comfortable with the people on your team. I want you to find somebody new to add to your team on purpose. We don't need nobody. You do now. I said you need somebody. Okay, 50, uh, 60, what is June? Almost 60 people have, where's June Jones? Almost 60 people have joined our church this year, right? 
That's a lot of people in one year. That's a whole church. That is a whole church. Okay? So we, you need to get those, you need to find those people and be intentional about bringing them into your process. You understand that? There are no team should be, this is us, it's been us full since the beginning. Yet then you're dying. Y'all got that sounds like a coup. All right. So we need to, hello. So we need to be intentional about being inclusive. Does that make sense to you? All right. And bring me to another point. You're a leader of a department. June, raise your hand, June. You, are getting, you should be getting in a new partner orientation to come and present what you do and what you need and how people can connect to you. You should be on the partner's page saying, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm over this department, here's my number, contact me if you want. All these people are joining the partner's page. So if you just put a video on there saying who you are, what you do, and how they can help, amazing how you can get more people involved with what you're doing. Does that make sense? You realize how intimidating a church of this size can be to people? And they walk in here and all these parts are moving and all these anointed people, every one of you. You know, this is a true story. People can walk in here if they didn't know anything about us and they can mistake a whole lot of people for the pastor. And I love it. I, oh, I love it. I love it. Like, that's the pastor, right? <laughs> yeah, that's him. <laughs> that's something else I ain't got to do. Hello, somebody. <laughs> so you get what I'm saying that it can be very intimidating coming into a church that's large. All right? Unless you make what you do personal to them. All right? So be thinking about that and think about how you can do that differently. Now, here's the next thing. All right? A warm, somebody shout a warm welcome. A warm welcome. Notice I put expectations. Right? This is what I expect. I expect you are expected both within the church, on social media, and in the public square. To be warm and inviting toward our partners. Warm, somebody shout warm and inviting. Why? Because another thing that we need to possess is a welcoming disposition. Y'all got that? Now how can I have a welcoming disposition to everybody? Pretty simple. I will fear no evil. Simple as that. I want you included. I want you involved. I want to know who you are. Y'all got that? All right. Expectations. You are expected to intentionally operate as and to view yourself as a servant to every partner that you encounter. So when you somebody shout, I need to demonstrate servitude. Does that make sense? She got a new partner, and they're telling you, you know, I really want to be a part of so-and-so ministry. Oh, we got that here. Now go figure it out. No. No. We have it here, so here's what we're going to do, all right? Because we want you to be involved with this. I want to introduce you to Paul, right? So this is the person that is in charge of that area. So if you have any questions about how you get involved, he's right here. How hard is that? Now, that, thank you, Zell. So now here's the point. Here's the point. You know what that's called? Uh, that's called the gold standard. Anybody ever heard the gold standard by Ritz Carlton? Yes. Yeah. You know, anybody ever stayed at Ritz Carlton? Yeah. All right. Well, let me tell you about it. So, <laughs> so if you ask, if you ask for something, they don't point. They don't say, "Hey, walk down there and take a ride." Anybody, anywhere, 
take you to what you're asking. Yeah, okay, Publix. All right. Y'all, anybody been to Publix? I guarantee you, they read the gold standard, the new standard by Ritz Carlton. I guarantee you, they read that. Because that's not common in any industry. That's not common. But that's what has made it a brand where they can charge you $500 a night. That's what made it a That's what made it, that's the gold standard. That's what made it so valuable is that it has an unparalleled service. You understand that? So over and over again, I tell people, I meet in my office because I meet everybody. I want to know all the new members. Come up to me Sunday. I'm going to take you, I'm going to introduce you to the person that's over that area. Why do I do that? Because it's hard for people to navigate all yeah. that's going on here. This thing looks intimidating to a person that came from a church that had 12 people and five of them were the pastor's family. Right. <laughs> Y'all understand that? All right. So, so the, the goal, somebody shout, take. take. Don't, tell. Don't tell. Take them to the resource. Y'all understand that? You have the resource, email it to them, text it to them, take them to the resource, connect them to it. Why? Because then if you don't take them when, when they're talking about it, it's easy for them to think, I don't know how I'm going to figure it out. And then all of a sudden we have another person that comes and fills a pew, but they're not, in, they're not really involved. Why? Because they got comfortable watching you do ministry. You understand that? And guess who made them comfortable watching you do ministry? You did. Because when they asked, you didn't take them over and connect them to a resource. It's pretty simple. If you have somebody ask you about your department, you take their name and your number, you put it on your calendar for Monday, and you call them on Monday. Hey, you asked me on Sunday about so-and-so. I just want to give you a little. Simple as that. Not, yeah, we be on, on Thursday and, uh, you know, sometime, and then sometime we online, and then sometime, and it really depends from week to week. Complete confusion. Instead of leading, instead of leading connectivity. Somebody shout, I'm a leader of connectivity. Say it again. I'm a leader of connectivity. I want to connect the new parts to this process. It's simple as that. There are no extra parts of a body. God has sent us everything we need. And they remain disconnected, not because they want to be, but because leadership is not helping them to figure out how to be connected. Y'all got that? So we need to, somebody shout, take the next step. You know, one of the major, you know what, what makes a leader a leader a lot of times is that you think the next thought. So leaders don't stop with a problem. They say, here's the problem. And then they think the next thought. Yeah, that's what makes you a leader is that you never stand there staring at the problem. What to do? No, you're not a leader if you do that. Does that make sense? I was waiting on a leader to show up and make a decision. All right. So demonstrate servitude. All right, we just talked about this one. No partner is to be treated as an outsider, a burden, or with any level of annoyance projected toward them. If serving people annoys you, join our online church. Stay home and watch us. You have my permission. 
If people got to come to the house of God and deal with your annoyance, stay home. Join our online church. Talk to evil online. But don't come here. Say it with me. My annoyances make it about me. My service makes it about them. How may I help you? How may I assist? Simple as that. How can I help you? Simple as that. I'm just here to what? I'm just here to help. I'm not trying to make it hard for you to connect to this. You understand that? And let me share something with you. Y'all already noticed that um, witches, lunatics, and crazy people are drawn to this church. Listen, my child, you in an apostolic house. so good with witches now? Woo. Oh, come on, somebody. You ought to be so good. Just, you ought to be so loving. You understand that? You can love and war at the same time. Right. Love is war. Love is a, a, a weapon of mass destruction. Y'all got that? People, there, there are certain things that are drawn to an apostolic house. And you know that. You see it over and over again. Don't act shocked. Don't act surprised. Be ready. You understand that? Don't shut Last Sunday, somebody walked in. Here we go again. We pray for the brother. Y'all got that? One monger don't stop no show. That makes, we don't, hello. It just is what it is. That's what happens in an apostolic house. That makes sense? All right. So no partners be treated as an outsider, a burden, a burden, or with any level of annoyance projected toward them. Y'all got that? Nobody should be, have to deal with thinking they're getting on your nerves by asking for your help to get them connected to this house or some process or whatever it may be. Y'all got that? Make sense? All right. You are expected to inconvenience yourself to be of service to the partnership. Now, that's called sacrificial. Sacrificial behavior means I'm willing to inconvenience myself in service to the partners. Does that make sense? I'm willing to inconvenience myself in service to the partners. All right? And that's, though, again, that's a parental thing. That's a leadership thing. That's a fivefold thing. Is that it's not about how easy can it be to deal with you, but it's about inconveniencing, stretching ourselves to be of service. Does that make sense? All right. We're good. Any leader who is consistently reported as being rude or possessing an attitude that is not conducive to the values of our leadership team will be removed from their leadership position. That is what's going to happen. That is what's going to happen. Okay? Why? Because we, I am making sure that we weed out anything and everything that's not in agreement with what we are building towards. Now, you know, I've said it before, 
There is not one thing we do. There's not one person we've appointed, ordained, or anointed. If I appointed you, I can disappoint you. There is nothing we do I'm not willing to scrap and start over. Nothing. Nothing. I ain't never been scared to start over. I love starting over because then you can do what you always wanted to do without the resistance of somebody's opinion about it. So I'm, I'm just, again, this is the standard. Anybody that's constantly reported, right? Everybody ain't lying. Everybody ain't lying. Everybody ain't lying. Look somebody tell me, everybody ain't lying. Told somebody this week, a new person just told me the same thing old people told me about you. It's you. See, we're not doing that. Because that means that a person is in a leadership position that's not in a leadership posture and attitude. You understand that? So we're, we're cutting it out. Cutting it out. You see that? That's what we have to do. Because what we are working towards it's not going to be sabotaged by somebody that didn't do the work in their inner man to be at the level that they espoused to be at. All right? You are expected to report, reveal, and identify anyone who is operating the behavior that undermines the fabric of our ministry. Look somebody tell them, tell them. Now, even better. Here's something that's even better. Right? Because y'all know by the time I call somebody, they're like, whoa. See, the devil is so busy. That ain't even, ooh. See, now this, see, now this is why I just stayed to myself right here because this is the kind of confusion I try to avoid. They get amnesia. They play dumb. They act like, so even better, right? You are deputized to confront bad behavior when you see it. When Paul saw that Peter was not operating in agreement with the revelation that he received from Jesus Christ, said, Peter, you're trying to act all kosher. You had to make a savage just yesterday. You know what he said? He said, let's not be hypocrites. He said, let's not be hypocrites. You know what I love about Paul? He said what he needed to say, how he needed to say it, to whom he needed to say it. That's integrity. That's integrity. Confront bad behavior where you see it. Especially when you see it among leaders. Confront it. Now, be nice. Now, brother, now, so, now you know that attitude, that ain't Christ. That's not Christ. It doesn't match with what we're trying to build in the lives of God's people. Now, you need to check that. That ain't right the way you right? That ain't right. They bring you stuff about other people, other leaders. And other, what do I have to do with that? What? What do I, you want to pray for them? You want to go talk to them? What do I have to do with that? Because if you're not bringing it for a purpose of reconciliation or intercession, what, then that means you're just being messy. Tell people that you know they're just being messy in their face. This is how I live, y'all. This is why I don't lay down dreaming about people. Because I said, what I need to say to who I need to say it, the way I need to say it, and let the chips fall wherever they may. Does that make sense? Sleep well at night. Sleep well at night. Get home with them woulda, coulda, shoulda. 
Go to sleep on them when it comes to sugar, they're going to show up as dragons and go. Look at somebody tell them, speak the truth in love. I ain't want to say, here we go. I ain't want to say nothing because technically I'm not the leader. You are a leader. You saw it. And I'm telling you, by the time it get, by the time it get to me, oh Lord, they didn't, they didn't got baptized in the River Jordan. <laughs> and a dog came down and landed upon them and said, "This is my beloved son." And my <laughs> That's what happened. I got that. Leaders, man, leaders are good at playing dumb. All right. All partners and other leaders are to be treated with respect and dignity. Somebody shout respect and dignity. This standard is non-negotiable. Y'all got that? Now you know what? There are times when, of course, and you all have seen it, when we've had we've had people that that they you know they intend on being defiant, they intend on being disruptive, they intend on being a problem, right? You got to deal with that straightforwardly, directly. You understand that? That's not normally the case of what's going on. Those people are rare. And those situations are rare. See that? And they have to be dealt with directly and decisively. But that's not the norm of what we're dealing with. So somebody shout, respectfulness is the norm. Right? We should always, as a leader, as a servant, give people the respect that you would have others to give to you. Somebody shout, I read what I sow. You know what I know for a fact? If you are a person that respects others, you never have a problem being respected. Y'all got that? 99 problem, but respect ain't one. It is expected that biblical rules of engaging offense will be utilized in any situation that requires it. Somebody shout, confrontation is not a bad thing if it's done in a good way. Say it again, confrontation. It's not a bad thing bad. if it's done in a good way. All right, so Monique, tell us the right way to confront an issue Matthew, according to Matthew. Matthew yes, Matthew, what does it say? If you have an issue with your brother, you go to your brother. If your brother does not... So the first step, you got an issue with your brother. You go to who? Your brother Not they what? Not they what? Oh, well, they won, so I know she go... No. 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 See? To your brother, to the actual individual, individual in which there is an offense or an issue. To that individual. Y'all got that? Only. Only. Come on. And then what, Monique? If they don't receive it, then you bring someone up. All right. So if they, they, they you trip it, I got it. All right. All right. So, uh, Harold, now you saw what happened. All right. Come on, Harold. We're going to go over here. Right? So, but right? So now, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you in love with Sister Harold. Right? Now, here's what you did now. This was wrong. Right? And they don't want to receive it. So now they don't want to. I got somebody that, that ain't my uh, cut-up partner. Right? I got somebody that, that's uh, discerning, neutral, spirit-filled, aware, non-biased. We're just trying to mediate the situation. Because the goal is always to bridge the brotherhood. The goal is always to bridge. That's the objective. I'm not here to prove I'm right. I'm here to make us one. I'm not here to prove I'm right. I'm here. The goal is always reconciliation. And the fundamental part of reconciliation. 
temptation is owning your mess. But they don't want to receive that, all right? So now, what's the next step? They don't want to receive me. They don't want to receive us. What's the next step? Take you to the church. Now, we go to the elder. Oh, we don't even need to be me. I'm the senior most elder. But you know there are eight or nine others. Now you go to the other bar. Now you go to the other Michelle. Now you go to the elders of the church. See that? You go to the elders of the church who have oversight responsibility. Right. Right. And that's supposed to be the medium yeah. through which that this situation gets resolved. Now, if you got a person, they won't receive corrective action one-on-one, try to keep it between you and them because right. you love them and want to cover them. Right. They won't receive, two of us came to you, two witnesses, we both came to you, we both said that you're clearly in the wrong in how you dealt with this. They're disrespecting the elders of the church, right? This is where I give them the left hand of this fellowship. This why, now you going on somewhere because we can't lead you. I want to join the church that said, right? They came up to the altar. They shook my hand and introduced themselves. I connected them to my process of doing the church. If I connect you, I can disconnect you. That is the word. That is the, but that's way, that's way down the line after you try to get to the heart of this person to correct their behavior, correct the situation. Biblical rules of engaging offense. Y'all got that? By the time you have had three encounters, this person has a hard heart. They don't want change. They don't want reconciliation. What's the elder? You know, we've gone through that process with the ministry. They take them to that third step. And uh, we have to sometimes call you and you intervene. And all he has to do is say, yes, I said it, or do it, and it's boom, it's done. Just that simple. Why can't they do it when they're at, at that level? Because they don't respect elders. Simple as that. They don't respect elders. You understand that? And the only reason they're responding to me is because they're more concerned about consequences than they are love. Right. You see? That's what it comes down to. Uh, Apostle, would you agree that if a person is, has the spirit of Christ, mm -hmm. the first step will work? It should. It should stop. It should. You got to bring two witnesses. That they're just witnessing that you ain't got no Holy Ghost. Y'all get the point of why these directors are in the Word of God? Because if you got to go through all this and you are unconvinced that you need to change your behavior, you are heathen. Ain't no way the Holy Ghost can be in you. Come on, somebody. Think about this, right? There's actually a step that happened before the confrontation. Yeah. What happened to your knowing you grieved the Holy Ghost? Oh, so it's really four steps they've ignored. Because yeah. if you have offended someone, you've done wrong, you already know. You're a believer. You already know. Because the Holy Spirit has already convicted you of sin and arrest. So it's not so by the time I come to you, yeah, you know what? God was already dealing with me about that. So you got four steps that they ignore. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
All right. You know, I've had to tell people, leave this church and don't ever come back again. And I didn't, hello, and I don't, I didn't feel bad in doing so. You earned that. Yes. Yeah, you see that? And it shouldn't take it shouldn't take all of that to say, you know what? The way I treated you was wrong. It was just wrong. What's so all that was bad. My bad. I was having a bad day and you you it was gonna be somebody. It was just you that day. <laughs> it was gonna be you. It had to be you. <laughs> Y'all got that? So that that is the right way. Of doing things, biblical rules, biblical rules of engaging uh, issues. Say it with me again: confrontation. Confrontation is not a bad thing if it's done in a good way. Notice the way that was just described, Matthew 18, right? It's a good way, but it should be done. All right. Now let me share something with you. Right? You are, if you're in this room, you're part of our leadership process. You should never fear confronting an issue based on your perception of their proximity to me. You did that. I didn't do that. You did that. You did that. You, I ain't got no favorite person. I don't have, I don't have well, Lisa Jones. Let me clear. You ain't got nothing to tell me about my wife. Let's make that very clear. Very clear. I deal with my wife. Y'all got that? But based on your perception of their proximity to me, and you want to address this because of your perception of their proximity, you created that. Either you created an illusion that they were untouchable, or they created an illusion that they were closer than they are. But for me, the Bible governs how we do what we do. Confrontation is not a bad thing. I love confrontation because it resolves issues. That makes sense? Alright, this is how you stay married. Listen to me, this is how you stay married. When my wife is mad, I'm going toward man. You gotta deal with this. I got one option for sex, so I ain't gonna mess this up. silent treatment. Like, no, let's talk. What you mad about over there? Nothing. All right. All right. Now, you know this hurting you more than me. You like talking. <laughs> I just want to resolve the issue. You understand that? Or here we go. My wife, this was she, this was she want to have a conversation about something, right? Can I talk to you about something? Sure. 
Can I, or here, can I ask you a question? Ask like that question. was a question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing you can't ask me, nothing we can't talk about. The goal is to be one, not for me to be right. right. Y'all got that? That's how you stay married. Amen. Walking around the house, all, not talking to each other, stonewalling, not. What? Man, that's a graveyard. That ain't a marriage. It's a graveyard. Dead bones. You understand that? I think the most quality decision I ever made in life is the decision to enjoy my life. I decided, I'm, somebody said, I decided I'm going to enjoy my life. See that? I see my marriage as a terminal relationship. It's got to work. Because it's the only plan I got. Now, you know what? This is another reason why most people won't lean in and do the work of relationship because they don't see it as permanent. If you know it's permanent, think about it. If your outfit you got on right now was the last one you were ever going to have, right? <laughs> you would take care of it. Because you would tend to it, you would tend to it because you knew it was permanent. See? Now we see why a lot of people would rather argue about, complain about, and run from the worker relationship. Here's why. Because they have a self-fulfilling prophecy in them that is too good to be true, and it ain't gonna last, and I'm gonna be alone, so I may as well go ahead and make myself alone before somebody else makes me alone. Self-sabotage, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Y'all understand that? Anybody that fears abandonment will do it to you first. Why? Because of their fear is defined. And now they're pushing away from you because they expect abandonment. Does that make sense? All right. I don't know how I got into all that. Slipped over in the marriage training up in this morning. Let's get back to part of the services. What you talk about, it covers all aspects of our lives. Yes. So if we struggle in the marriage dynamic, we're going to struggle in the servitude dynamic. We're going to struggle in every one of these areas that we're talking about. So that right there is the ultimate litmus test for those of us who are married. So you're saying if I can serve a difficult wife, I can serve difficult partners. You mean to tell me home, home has been getting me ready for my spiritual assignment this whole time? I want to show you myself. I've been with my wife since she just came out of puberty. Right? Literally, 16. She was 16, I was 18. So we've gone from just out of puberty to now, she in menopause, I'm in menopause. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know where I'm at. I got to work hard on stuff now. <laughs> Hello, so I'm, I'm an older man now. That's right. Hello, somebody. <laughs> I ain't got my 18-year-old stuff no more.
change together. Same in that moment, same thing here. 32-year marriage, 22-year ministry. Why? Because we change together. We embrace where we are now. We recognize the value of a growing you. We embrace where we are now. We're not stuck on stories from our past history with each other. Oh, come on, just like I'm not stuck on a past version of you. I'm not stuck on a past version of you. Well, here's what you did last. We ain't stuck on that. So we're growing together. But now, can you imagine from puberty to where we are now, right? Can you imagine all the changes, all the attitudes, all the issues, all the stuff we had to work through and weed through and sort through and bind up and break down and build up and tear down and renew and remodel and reorient and recalibrate and reconnect and reset, redo and refigurate and Simple as that. Does that make sense to you? So, so home, whatever you deal with at home, I don't deal with nobody. I stay by myself. That is why you have no one in your department. That's why it's still you doing it. Because the same thing you do at home is the same thing you do in life. Wherever you go, there you are. That is not a badge of honor that you don't have the emotional depth to deal with anybody except the person you know and brought here. not a badge of honor. That tells me you don't have emotional depth. You should, at this point, if you've been in, minute, if you've been in leadership for more than 10 years, raise your hands. Raise your hand. You should be able to deal with anybody. Anybody in any condition. Nobody should intimidate you. No process should intimidate you. Because you should have depth by now. Does that make sense? All right. So it's expected that biblical rules. All right, we talked about that. Somebody shout, we're here to help. So we are here to help. No one is to operate in a way that brings harm to the body of Christ or uh, to the leaders. It's supposed to be to the leaders, right? Somebody shout, I'm just here to help. Pretty simple, right? So there is no, oh, you hurt me. There, mm -mm, mm -mm. I'm, I'm here to help. I'm a servant to your situation. I'm a servant to what you are becoming. Now, so I'm a servant to the partners. Those are our, our direct, direct servitude to the partners. But now remember, you're also a servant to other leaders. Look, somebody tell them, I'm here to help you too. See that? So we, we offer it freely to each other so that together, collectively, we can offer it to them. Does that make sense? All right. And, and you know, we need to get rid of anybody carrying these little slants and narratives about leadership that you just casually talking about in the parking lot. You need to kill all that. You need to kill all that. You understand that? Because to me, you know what? I look at it like this. If I couldn't have 100% of my heart behind a people that I'm connected with, I wouldn't be connected to you. I would, why would I waste my time coming around people that just live to aggravate me? <laughs> That makes sense? To me, that's self-torture. All right. 
do the work to make sure that you're in the right attitude and frame of mind to engage God's people. Oh, hello. Do you spend time with God before you spend time with God's people? Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question again, leader. Do you spend time with God before you spend time with God's people? Now, it's pretty early on a Saturday morning to come to leadership, right? So I had to get up earlier than this to spend time with God before I spend time with you. That's what gave me the right mind to deal with you is the time I spend with God. Does that make sense? I have to get up in the morning before anybody else starts stirring around my house. Why? I want to be in the right mindset when dealing with people around my house. Spending time with God give me the right mindset about dealing with other people. Does that make sense? All right. So you get up early. I got to be here and serve, right? Please get with God before you get with us. Why? Because we want to make sure that we're the frame of mind that we are in is to engage God's people in a spirit of what? Servitude. Somebody shout servitude and humility. Does that make sense? I want to connect with God's people. I want to know you. I want, I want to know you. I want to do life with you. I am doing life with you. It ain't about an organization. We're, this is an organic thing. Does that make sense? All right. True story is that I should feel more connected to you than some of my biological family. Oh, hello, somebody. I don't feel connected to some of the heathens in my family. They in darkness. I'm in light. I'm praying for you, but I don't feel like we have a relationship. Hello. Now see your hand. Go ahead. Back to the book when you talk about the gold standard. Yes. In that book, everybody who got on, brought on to the rich, they represented that chain. They represented that name. Consistently. And so I believe when we understand who we represent, yeah. Jesus Christ, and even the Bible says, let everything that we do do it as unto the Lord, not unto a man. Mm -hmm. So in understanding everything that I do, or ponder whoever, I'm literally doing it for God as unto the Lord, not unto man, which means I'm going to do it regardless of how you act or how you don't act. Because God is being glorified and yeah. he sees it anyway. Yeah. You know, but when we move that out of the way, we make it about us. Now, okay, because you're not doing it, I'm not going to do it. Right. And then we have strings attached to what we do. Right. And that's not of God. Exactly. Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Isn't that right? I do what I do because I see that this is what God wants. I'm responsible for my responses to you. I'm not responsible for your behavior. I'm responsible for my responses to you. You understand that? All right. That makes sense? So mindfulness. Now, when you see that we are working on something to improve operations, please cooperate. Please cooperate. Y'all got that? So cooperation is huge to this process of we're developing systems to better serve our Partners. We're developing strategies to better serve our partners. Y'all got that? We're developing things that, that we need everybody in the leadership process to connect to because we want to better serve our partners. So we solicit your cooperation. Y'all got that? All right. Anything that you cannot do cheerfully, you do not, you need to urgently stop doing. 
Anything that you cannot do cheerfully, you need to urgently stop doing. Okay? God loves a what? That goes beyond money. It's not just about giving. It's about the attitude in which we give. God loves cheerful contribution to whatever you, you, that he sent us to do, called us to do, we've been appointed to do. So if you can't do it cheerfully, y'all got that? You need to urgently stop doing it. I got joy. Notify your face. <laughs> I know I got joy. Can I tell me? Can I tell me? I don't know, Lord. Notify your face. All right. That's my last slide. Now, here's the bottom line of all of this. Here's the bottom line of all of this. Okay. We had already received the prophetic word that the prodigals were coming back, and they are. We had already received the prophetic word about God rewarding us as a congregation and blessing and favoring us because of our posture toward the things of God during the pandemic. We'd already see word, a reward, a, a word about these things. And people are just joining the church. And I don't think y'all realize how rare it is that so many people, y'all got that? So many people, and young people, yeah. are joining the church, right? Our kids love being in church. That is rare. Now, so what God said would happen is, is happening in our ministry. So what we're talking about here is just fine-tuning, Okay. I, none of this is meant to be disparaging. None of this is meant to be negative. It's all meant to take a look at how have we been engaging in this leadership dynamic? What has been our attitude and mindset toward being in leadership? Okay? And another very important part of this is this. Sometimes you got to clean off the cobwebs. Sometimes you got to clean off the cobwebs. Get a little rusty in doing this. A little lethargic in doing it. Not being as intentional. See, it becomes like like going home, like going home, right, from work, right? You realize how much you don't notice going home from work? It's so familiar that you completely dismiss it on your way to get to where you're going. And that's the way that this can become. It becomes so familiar that you dismiss so much around it. Even though there's so much here that needs your engagement, namely the new partners that are joining this church. All right. I told somebody this yesterday, and I'm going to repeat it to every one of you. Every single person under the sound of my voice, every single one of you, right now should have two people in your life. Every one of you should have two people in your life. One person is on this side, and another one is on this side. And every single one of you should always be the man in the middle, the woman in the middle. Okay? This person is just sowing into your life what you need for your growth and your development. Mentorship, okay? Media mentorship, direct mentorship, some form of learning what you did not know. Somebody tell me you are not learning from what you know. Oh, come on, tell somebody else you are not learning from what you already know. Like those of you that are this sermon blesses me more. No, it ain't. You already do it. All right, so now watch this down. So you need a mentor. You need mentor, mentorship, mentorship process, growth process, Constantly. You should be learning about things you think you already know. You should be learning what you have never heard or learned or grown in before. Increasing your knowledge. Direct mentorship, books, uh, uh, audio book, whatever. But you should also have this person. This is the person that you are pouring into. 
Everybody should always have someone. Think about this. Look at this room, right? This room is larger than most churches. Come on. Average church in the United States is less than 50 people. This room is like two churches, right? This is just our leadership. Think about it. Everybody espouse the attitude I'm telling you right now. Where I'm obligating, I'm pushing, I'm being intentional about making sure I'm in a posture of learning and growing. That's for me. Somebody shout, that's for me. But I'm intentional to bring somebody alongside that I feel obligated to pour into their life, right? Come on, somebody. I'm not trying to make them codependent on me because I want you to grow and I need me. Watch now. Because somebody else. So somebody else is coming here, and watch this. Somebody else is also coming here. That's right. That's right. This thing gonna keep changing because that's how I keep changing. You don't get bored in this dynamic. Somebody shout, I'm always meeting needs. My needs are always being met. My needs are being met through my mentorship. My needs to meet needs of others is being met through mentoring others. So you should always be, this is the cycle of mentorship. Y'all got that? Now this is going to change again. Why? Because now you're going to go on and you're going to do the same thing. You're going to go on. It's going to change again. You know what I just described to you? I just described to you the growth. This is how all the seasons of your life in Christ, you keep growing. I literally, anybody ever figured out how do I not get bored? How do I not get stagnant? How do I not become complacent? How do I make sure that I'm not the lukewarm, live the scene in church that's neither hot nor cold? I literally just described it to you. That's how you never end up in a passive, uh, lethargic position as a believer, as a leader in the body of Christ. That's why you got to stay in the cycle of mentorship. Does that make sense? You know, it's a very good reason I have new people pouring into my life right now. New people. Y'all got that? New people. And it ain't about them all being white either. It's about them all being new. <laughs> you know, I'm the only black guy in my group. But that group is where my, that, that scale of thinking is where I am. Y'all got that? So again, I, you got to be very intentional about growth. Tell me you will not accidentally grow. Now, a part of your growth is growing others. Amen. Come on, say it with me. A part of my growth is growing others. Now, if you're a stable leader, you don't get mad when they no longer need you. Oh, you ain't called me. See, like you only call me when you need me. So, sissy, bro, you're supposed to be developing people to not need you because they're out meeting needs. Does that make sense? Y'all got that? Yes. 